now tuned in to the cold hard truth. Cayman's number one hard-hitting live podcast show, where we feature some straightforward conversations on political, social, and celebrity news, and all things happening in the Cayman Islands and around the world. This show was created to give the people a voice and a means of being involved and informed without any filters. Sometimes it gets crazy, but we always keep it real. We bring you the tea. Piping hot, so grab your favorite beverage and join the conversation via WhatsApp at 324-1612. Email tips at caymanmorrowroad.com. Now, here's your host, Sandy Hill, broadcasting live from the beautiful Cayman Islands. Heidi? Yes, hi. How's How it are going? you? Hi, I'm good, thanks. <laughs> so 43 years old is the average age to not do this. Please don't say what everyone else has been alluding to. <laughs> oh, I haven't actually I've got the kids in the car, sorry. Uh, TikTok video. TikTok. TikTok video. Heidi, you are correct. It's a TikTok video? <laughs> Finally. <laughs> oh, really? So, yes. Don't like, do don't do what everybody else was saying is before. <laughs> on a TikTok video. On a TikTok video, video oh, either. Definitely that's, don't do that. Yeah. You'll get yeah. banned. Yeah. Um, that's for that's for uh, OnlyFans. Um, okay, so, <laughs> uh, so I would say yes. Like I've never made one. I've never made a TikTok video. I think I've been in a friends or whatever. But I just think about like if I saw my parents making one right now, I'd be like, okay, no. It's like Facebook now. All the all us old people yeah. are on Facebook, and all the kids are like, uh, we don't use Facebook. <laughs> Heidi, congrats! You're a winner this morning. Thank you. I haven't heard Thank that you. name in a long time, by the way. Heidi, I, grew, I had a. Is this the Heidi that I know? a friend uh, named Heidi. Yes, Erin, it is. I've got the kids in the car. So oh, very excited. tell <laughs> yeah. them hello. Uh, thank you. Awesome. Thanks for calling in. Is it Heidi Kiss? No. Oh, okay. No. Uh, you got the free food to walk and roll. Congratulations. Thanks, guys. So hold on just a sec, okay? Yeah, okay, no worries. You got it. All right, time is 726 right now. Big news. I have some important news for you. Interesting news. It's Blake and Aaron's Spilling the Tea with Sandy. K-Man's top news headlines of the day from CMR. All right, it is that time to check in with Sandy Hill and CMR. Good morning, Sandy. Hey, good morning, Blake and Aaron. Hello, hello. How was your shindig at, uh, at the Gov's house last night? Oh, it was great. Yeah. Conservation award. Very nice. Nice. Okay. You received one? No, no, no. I was just there to watch others who were doing wonderful work in the community receive awards. All right. And how yeah. was the how was the event? How many people were there? Um, I don't know. <laughs> did you get to have did you get to have dinner or were you just like hors d'oeuvres? No, it was just yeah, it was just hors d'oeuvres and some drinks and yeah, it wasn't it wasn't extremely long, which is good because a lot of times, you know, these events are dragged on. It was uh, very um, tight in terms of scheduling and um, yeah, highlighting some of the individuals in the community who were really about, you know, um, conservation, protecting Caymans, um, just history. There's one young lady, for example, who was on the finalists for helping to move an old um, Cayman style house. Like she facilitated that process. So cool. big mm. shout out to Allie. Um, but all of the recipients I think were, were, um, you know, just fantastic. That's nice. Fun fact. I've been invited. I've been in the governor's house before. Yes. yes they allowed me through the front door. I've been, I've been there once. Yeah. I, it was, yeah, it was nice. Yeah. It's nice. It's nice. Yeah. I have been over the years a few times, but it's been a, it's been a while actually that I haven't been. So. Did it look exactly um, the same though? 
Yeah, I don't think much changes. Yeah, it's very, yeah, it's very still, it, it to me, like all of it looked like it's been there for, you know, quite a long time. Yeah. So that's cool. Yeah. Well, um, so we heard about some new cases in some schools. What else? Is- yeah, so um, trending news this morning is definitely the highest number of daily COVID cases at 92. Um, the vast majority are community spread. We actually showed a graph yesterday to show how the um, tables have turned in terms of community spread mm-hmm. versus travelers. So literally, um, there's, I think one day, a couple of days ago, we had no travelers <laughs> with COVID and it was every single case was community spread. So now it's like 90 something plus percent um, representing community spread. Oh, wow. Yeah. I hear so it's uh, travelers hey, out of the 92. And um, we also broke the news last night that the CDC has now placed Cayman on a level three alert for uh, COVID travel purposes. Okay, and so what does that do for us though? If you really don't have to. Yeah, okay. So it's not like you can't travel here. No, level four is is they don't recommend traveling. Mm -hmm. Uh, And level four, actually there's a lot of regional countries on level four, believe it or not. So I still kind of feel like we're in this coveted group of level three countries because there's still really not that many on level three mm-hmm. yeah um i hear that it's uh touched uh, prep now yes cool. so prep yeah um cmr actually broke that one on social media but came prep mm-hmm. has two cases now uh year one and year three and um yeah i mean i think the reality is you know every single school is going to get a touch of it yeah so we're just getting ready that's how we live um, with it how we deal with it and big news, big, big news yesterday yeah, well, um, in relation to approval for children. Uh, you know, now that that real, that five plus um, group of kids now have FDA approval. So um, super, super excited about that. And um, for Pfizer, I think Moderna is going to follow very, very quickly because Moderna has already been talking about some of their results over the weekend. And... We're looking forward to that option. See what's yeah. going on with that. Yeah. So it's Any gonna, other it's crazy be a news? I read that uh, somebody was captured. That they were yes. For. Yes, that's right. So um, I don't know if you guys remember this man was on the on the loose there for a minute. Was um, this the guy in Prospect? Yes, was looking for, I think his name is Charles Walton mm-hmm. um, the third. Yes. And um, yes, he was finally apprehended by the RCIPS. So where was he apprehended, though? Well, it um, says that he uh, turned himself in. Oh, okay. So the Cayman yeah. Islands Center. Yes, <laughs> they were. Um, well, yeah, they were yeah. recommending he do so because <laughs> okay. he was considered um, armed and dangerous. So I he, think that he was, was in his best. He's interest. wanted by the police for firearms offenses. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, remember the one by Cotton Club a couple weeks back? Yes. Yes. Wow. At least that offense and possibly more. Okay. All right. So one more alleged criminal off the streets, which is good news. That is good news. Um, So, yeah, we we had a fantastic show last night. I don't know if you guys got to tune in. We watched. We Uh, talked about it a bit ago. We watched a little bit of that. Oh, Okay, good. Danny and Dr. Lee and yes, uh, a good of local yep. individuals talking Nina. about the preparedness. And yeah. so um, a lot of people were very, very um, keen to tune into that program. 
Yeah, that was great. That's good. Yeah, that was good. It's awesome. You're doing the informative work for I like that for the island. It's great. Yeah, I mean, big shout out to Kevin Watler. He's really been the one doing all the work, to be honest. Oh, um, booking the guests and you know organizing the topics that are um, of most interest. And, what's the, what's, uh, what's big on the show today for you? Well, we're going to talk about all of these topics, of course, and uh, we've got a little bit of an, an update and some regional stuff as well. So Wednesdays, um, sometimes we do Caribbean Connection Wednesdays, we do Impact Wednesdays, which is the government coming on as well. Today uh, was supposed to be Miss Heather, um, but we we're trying to reschedule her from last week because she had technical difficulties. But this week is also, this entire month has been Older Persons Month, as you know. Um, so she has been really, really busy because that is one sector of the community that she focuses a lot of her time and energy on. So they're actually having a special event today. I think it's at the Mission House this morning. So she's already on location prepping um, and helping to set up for that event. So unfortunately, she won't be joining us this morning. But um, yeah, you know, we'll talk about all of these uh, things that are happening in the community. I know Kevin's going to come on for a little bit. We'll talk about some of the COVID news. And uh, yeah, good stuff. You always, when you watch those kinds of uh, those Zoom calls, you're always kind of checking out everybody's background, seeing like, oh, let me let me see where you know where they what their, uh, house, looks what like. their house looks like. Yeah, right. That's funny. <laughs> yep, yeah, for sure. I've got I've just got my flags and yeah, you stuff. got a cool background there on, on your show. Yeah, and it's actually a real background. I know a lot of people do virtual backgrounds, mm -hmm. um, but they never quite look right unless you have like a perfect setup, right, with a green yeah. screen and whatever. But yeah, this is my real background. You know, representing. Get her camera on flags going on with your nice filter. <laughs> I'm still still loving it. Still rocking it full time. Looking good. I know. I picked out a few more last night, so stay tuned. I got a special treat for Halloween. You guys will love it. Ooh, nice. Ooh. All right, catch we'll do that on Friday. Nice. And we're going to do some old school tracks, uh, Halloween tracks for uh, old school Fridays as well on the show. So. Ooh, nice. Uh, Halloween. Halloween. All right, catch CMR now on Facebook, YouTube. We'll see you tomorrow. All right, guys. Have a good one. All right, bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, good morning, everyone. That's uh, Blake and Aaron on um, KISS 106.1. Uh, definitely K-Man's number one morning show without disputes. Good morning to Marshall, um, radio morning program. Lots of good music over there. Um, the other day I was in the car and I had them, I didn't have them on, but I had it on 106. And I was just tapping my feet to the beat and thinking to myself, oh, this is some good music. And then I go, oh yeah, this is 106. I think I kind of fall in between most of the time I listen to 107, sometimes I listen to 104, and then, you know, when I'm in the mood for, like, just some good groovy music, I go to 106. Marshall, good morning. Good morning to Miss Alice. Good morning to Miss Joy. Ervalyn is here. Good morning, Larry. Olivia, the beautiful Andine is with us. Miss Sue is here. She says, morning to Blake and Aaron. Um, I had lunch with Blake yesterday, and I was telling him how you guys really enjoy that segment, um, tuning in with Blake and Aaron, and uh, that a lot of times when I'm going back through the comments, I see where you were, you guys were actually participating in the conversation. So he's like, oh, that's so cool. And he's gotten a lot of positive feedback on his end as well. So that's CMR Minute really picking up there in 106. Um, Felicia, good morning. Celine, good morning. How are you? Um, Louis is here with us. He says, happy Wednesday, chilly morning in the D. What's the weather like in Detroit? What are we talking about when he says <clears throat> chilly? How many degrees is that? 
Uh, Weebe's got it locked. Melita is here for her tea. Paul, good morning to Paul. How are you? Uh, Melita says, yes, it was a great show. Well, thank you so much for tuning in. Kevin is going to be joining us here in a minute. Kevin, you can jump on anytime you want. I'm ready for you. Um, <clears throat> let me see now. Yeah, so uh, it was a fantastic show, actually. <clears throat> I was a little bit... Um, I was at a different location because I actually was um, engaged at the, the governor's. So um, they actually had, it was the National Trust, had a governor's conservation award ceremony, a little reception at the governor's last night. And it was really nice. It was great to see um, the work that people are doing and that work actually being acknowledged by um, the National Trust. You know, the National Trust works really, really hard and they rely a lot on volunteers and a group of, you know, anyone really who is willing to um, be a voice for all things Caymanian and preserving our heritage and culture. So that was fantastic. And I, I was able to, as I was there, I was still kind of like tuning in a little bit to the show. I couldn't hear anything, but just to kind of see if you guys were engaged and I saw lots of questions being asked. And of course, Kevin, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Sandra. And good morning, everyone in the Cayman Islands and everywhere else that you might be watching from. Yeah, we got people all over. Um, so Kevin Melita was saying it was a great show last night. And um, I was just saying that although I wasn't in the back studios, I normally am, I was still tuning in and I saw tons of people online. I mean, you had well over a couple hundred people um, pretty much steady throughout the night. Uh, watching the program. So what was your takeaway and feeling? And we've got a little video play here in a second, but what was your takeaway from last night's um, show? Yeah, it actually made me feel a lot more comfortable because I had a lot of questions. You know, what I do here with the Department of Health and Hillsborough, I work in public health. And, and so there's a lot of things that we experienced here that I was a little bit afraid that Cayman might not have been quite ready for. But after having some of that, some of those questions answered, I definitely believe um, Cayman is definitely on the right track. It, and the minister started off, is everything perfect? Did they do everything right? No one ever will ever get everything 100% right. But there's a lot of things, a lot of really great, um, very smart people working behind the scenes, a lot, lot of knowledge behind there. And they're looking at what's going on in the back, in the rest of the world and, and trying to make sure that they're doing things in Cayman to um, get things set up um, so they'll be able to handle um, once, once we have an increase in cases. So I was definitely um, pleased to know some of the things that was was go, that is going on and what they're preparing for. And um, and it seemed like they're also willing to, to listen to others as well. Um, I know there's, there's a lot of busy schedules for them because they're, they're meetings back to back to back. Um, it was a, such an amazing um, feat to accomplish, really, to be able to get all of them on the same show at the same time. I, I was working on, on trying to get this show together for about two months, and I'm so happy it didn't actually all finalize with every one of the players until that morning. Um, but once we had everyone confirmed, I mean, it, it really gave us a really diverse panel um, to be able to explain the different responsibilities each of them are responsible for. So I was really happy we were able to, to mm -hmm. really get that going. Yeah, fantastic. No, I know you'd been working extremely hard um, to get them on board. So I was pleased to see that it, it finally um, materialized. And, um, you know, Kevin, the feedback, even offline, I had received a number of um, 
people messaging me to say, hey, I got to tune in and the show was great. And, um, you know, they also got a lot of their questions answered. So they were really, really happy to um, have the local, you know, um, basically the local representatives in terms of healthcare, especially with the HSA um, emergency, you know, personnel like Danielle um, from Hazard Management, Dr. Lee, um, the Minister of Health and so on, on the program. So mm-hmm. um, well-received, very, very well-received program. I received a lot of feedback, a lot of positive feedback. And uh, people still have questions. You know, it's not a situation where mm-hmm. uh, just because we had a show, all the questions have been answered and, you know, we're all 100% like, yes, we got this. I mean, there's lots of things that are making us um, uncomfortable as the numbers uh, continue to increase. We saw yesterday, I think that was definitely a record, 92 cases in one day. And, yeah, uh, and it's going to keep on going up. I yeah. mean, especially with the Delta variant, experiencing it here in Florida. Um, we had our surge here in the United States and especially in our East Coast area right after the 4th of July holiday. Um, mm-hmm. That's when we had just everything um, This all happened at one time. We had right. a lot of social me- measures that kind of went away. People were just living their lives. We Then we had the, the new form of COVID, which was the Delta variant that was able to enter the community. And then we also saw vaccination rates going down. We just, just didn't see vaccine rates going up like it was before. So you just combine all of those things at one time. Um, and it just, it was the perfect storm and, and it just allowed, um, the variant, the Delta variant to just sweep through in no time. So we saw it go from here to just Mm -hmm. like take off like a rocket ship Mm -hmm. and and it stayed that way for quite some time until either you, if you were unvaccinated, you got, you got COVID already, or those who are vaccinated, some of those that got COVID, um, built extra natural immunity, plus they got the vaccine protection. Mm -hmm. So either you're vaccinated, got COVID, and so now we're in a much better uh, position. Mm-hmm. Um, but Cayman's not there. Um, Cayman yeah. still has a, a good around 20% of people that are have really no protection. And then those who are vaccinated, you got good protection. It's not 100% protection. So we still have quite mm-hmm. a bit of people that are going to be getting um, COVID. In fact, um, I, I got a cousin. Um, he messaged me and said, Primo, I, I got COVID and I'm fully vaccinated. I said, yeah, it certainly could happen. Yeah. Just keep me updated on your program. And those are breakthrough cases, right? I mean, we want to be very, very clear because we always hear people saying, oh, well, you can still get it. And it's like, okay. I mean, we've been around this, this rodeo quite a few times, but um, yes, you can still get it, but it's now really a matter of percentages Mm-hmm. Um, how likely are you to get it? Uh, again, the numbers, you know, they're not, you can't really argue with the numbers. The numbers show a significant amount. Um, in fact, I'm just going to pull up a slide here from Trinidad and Tobago, where they said that, you know, they've had a number of hospitalizations, um, but yet they maintain this position, which is, um, you know, the demand for ICU care has now outstripped the supply beds. So again, people are still running out of beds. Um, and now it's stripped the supply beds as today. Almost all ICU patients in Trinidad are in use. And 96% of those ICU patients are not fully vaccinated. Yep. And that was on We, we had that same exact thing happen here in, in Florida where we have a huge capacity of ICU beds, the the ability to easily, easily increase that capacity. We had large COVID wings. You you heard on some of our previous shows from those who are working in the ICUs, like Aisha, um, who is an ICU um, nurse. 
she, you know, we had those same issues in a place where we had the ability to expand. Cayman, yes, um, you know, the, you'll hear in the video coming up in just a little bit that Cayman does have some plans for surge. Um, and we also have a much better vaccination rate than a lot of these places as well. So that's going to help us out. But we still have a good amount of vulnerable people that really, really, we need to break through to get them vaccinated so we could ultimately keep them out of the hospital. Again, it doesn't 100% take you out of the mix of being able to get COVID, mm -hmm. but it certainly will reduce the chance of you getting it. And it mm -hmm. will certainly almost eliminate the chance of you being ho hospitalized. <clears throat> Absolutely. And, um, you know, first time yesterday, we also saw that Trinidad, uh, Trinidad that Cayman Brack, my apologies, has uh, community transmission confirmed as well. So yeah. I think they, uh, based on what transpired over the weekend, they obviously need to double up on some testing in Little Cayman. Uh, the reality is, folks, we have obviously had community transmission for a really long time. We were just not testing at the level that we're now testing. So one community case emerged. And as soon as that one community case emerged, we started contact tracing and testing a lot in the community. I mean, over, um, I think it was one day last week, Dr. Lee said we were doing the equivalent testing of like one point something million people. Like if you were testing in the UK, given their population size and how many people they tested over, I think it was like a weekend or 24 hour period or something, but very short space of time that um, that is like testing over a million people. And that is a lot. That's a significant amount of testing. I saw some persons on social media with questions about testing, which I thought was interesting. So someone posted, big shout out to Everything 345 yesterday, someone posted on their, um, I guess they shared a comment from someone else and they said, and this is where again, misinformation can be um, very, very dangerous and you wanna make sure that, that you know, you're doing your part to understand things clearly because when you say something and you put it out there in public, a lot of times, whether you know what you're talking about or not, um, people are going to believe you. And this was a statement that everything three, four, five shared. Again, I guess someone sent to them, right? And so this says, um, I rate that our islands are being uh, better safe than sorry, but out of an abundance of care, if you strongly suspect you may be positive or have come in contact with a positive case, please get the PCR test. Do not rely solely on the rapid test. Um, so this person said, um, I did a PCR test and results came back positive. I couldn't believe it. I wanted to confirm for myself, so I did my own tests with the antigen rapid test and results came back negative. So um, again, what they're saying here is obviously, and we know this to be true, um, the PCR test is more accurate. Yeah. Now, you know, the um, rapid flow test <clears throat> may not be as accurate, but it's got a fairly decent, do we know what percentile, Kevin? I know there it depends on the out. test. It depends on on the, there's so many different variables, yeah. especially the home test. Is you know there's a lot of chance for user error. But let's yeah. let's bring it to something that a lot of people might be able to understand a little better. A pregnancy test. Just because you yeah. take a pregnancy test doesn't mean it's 100 accurate. The only way to get a real accurate reading is by going to your doctor and getting the yeah. blood test and getting a little exactly. further, you know getting scans and really getting someone to really look at it to confirm it. The PCR test is the gold standard. That's that's going to tell you if you are positive. The antigen rapid test or the lateral flow test, same old thing, just different names. Um, reminds me of the names in Florida. You got five names for one road. But anyways, <laughs> they, um, the, the 
when you have those type of tests, it does a much better job at really identifying those who are symptomatic. If you don't have symptoms, um, they've done a better job as the technology advanced, but it is, it's not the gold standard. It, it, it does have some room for error. It's a great tool to be able to just get you a good idea, but it's definitely, if even when you get a positive test on one of those, you still want to follow up that positive test with a PCR test. That's the, con yeah. the confirmation test. It's the same exact thing for um, those who might do a rapid HIV test. The rapid yeah. HIV test is the same exact thing. It's just giving you, it's just testing a few things to see if you have those antibodies, but then to really get it confirmed, you really have to follow up with the, the more comprehensive test to tell mm -hmm. you if you actually have it or, or, or if it's detecting something else in, in, in that, that might be conflicting or nothing mm -hmm. at all because it's just the load, the viral load is just not high enough. <laughs> so, um, yeah, there are going to be a lot of people who might use the, um, the rapid antigen lateral flow tests and it might say that they're not positive. But if they still have symptoms, it's a good idea to retest yourself when, if you if you develop symptoms later on because it might be that you it just didn't detect it at that time. Mm -hmm. um, so someone else was saying, um, I'm trying to just see where this article was. So there was an article, I think it was last week, that showed, uh, this was Sky News, that lateral flow tests are more accurate than previously thought. Um, because there's always been some concerns about their level of accuracy. And so they are putting it at the, let me just see what percentile we're looking at here. So this is October the 14th. <clears throat> um, this is according to the University of College London. They are saying that it is about 90%. So researchers used a new formula to show that lateral flow tests are likely uh, more than 80% effective at detecting any level of infection. And they're also more than 90% effective at detecting um, those who are most infectious when using the test. So, of course, as we know, with COVID, um, there's different levels of um, infection. And that explains, you know, why some people are um, super spreaders and why if you're unvaccinated, for example, you're more likely to spread it. Because even if you get it <clears throat> as a vaccinated person, um, it does seem to do some level of suppression of your viral load. So, you know, depending on your viral load, that's how how much you will, um, how likely you are to actually transmit it and infect other people. And that's extremely important because, you know, that's <laughs> that's the key there in terms of trying to get community spread under control. So this study has found in relation to lateral tests that they're uh, more than 90% effective on people who are most infectious who have those higher viral loads. And those are the most dangerous people in the sense that, you know, they uh, can be a super spreader. They can be going out to restaurants and nightclubs and working in different businesses. And, um, you know, they're the ones who spread it. But it's so funny that you make mention of comparing it. And I like that analogy because it makes logical sense uh, to a pregnancy test because it actually looks like a pregnancy test, doesn't it? <laughs> it's, the, it's really the same type of technology. It's just the, yeah. the, the stuff that's inside there is, is, is told to react differently to what it's trying to look for. Yes. Um, and then Harvard School of Public Health said that there's a spectrum of infectious amounts of the COVID virus, which is what I was just explaining. And it shows that the lateral flow tests are likely to detect cases at 90 to 95% of the time in the people who are the most infectious. So again, it's not 100%, um, but it certainly gives us um, a, a, a tool 
that we can use. And it's like our little toolbox, you know, you've got your little toolbox and in your toolbox, you can't have, there's no one single magical tool in your toolbox that's going to fix everything in your house. So sometimes you need a screwdriver. Sometimes you need a wrench um, to get the job done. So in our little toolbox in our arsenal, we have all sorts of things in that toolbox. And now we can add a big game changer, the lateral flow test. The next thing that will be a humongous game changer is definitely the ability to get younger children vaccinated. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, as they start to roll that out, and I think that might be happening very, very soon. It now that be, they have FDA approval. Um, the only issue is, um, which I kind of mentioned on the show, is I don't believe it's going to take maybe a little bit of time for Cayman to even get that benefit once it goes to the U UK approvals, because even though it's approved in here in the United yeah. States, doesn't mean the UK approved it. And we are getting our vaccines in the Cayman Islands from the UK. But even when the UK does approve it, um, it's actually not going to be the vaccine that's already available on island. Well, it's the same exact medicine in the vaccine, but it's a lower dose. Yes. And at least according to a lot of the guidance is you cannot use it to just drop a, le a little less. They actually send it out with um, what you need inside that vial. So it, in fact, this gets a little bit more technical, but the, the, they actually color code the cap of it as the cap of it as well. I don't mm -hmm. remember the colors. I think it's orange and a purple. I know I sent it to you um, before, Sandra. I think it's orange and purple or whatever. Well, one cap color is for the children. The next one is for anyone over the age of 12, uh, 12 years old and older. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, it's going to take some time for once the UK gets that vaccine in their, in their supplies, and then they'll be able to send it over to the Cayman Islands. So, you know, it's going to be a little bit before children are likely able to get vaccinated um, for between 5 and 11, but it's definitely coming. And I definitely, based on, you know, all of the experts that I've spoken to who, you know, take care of children, is a very good idea um, because the benefits do outweigh the risk. So Carol says the show was great last night and good to show to know the status of treatments for COVID um, Cayman has or is procuring. Um, good morning to Barbara. Nona says Cayman uh, will have a large amount of breakthrough cases because there isn't enough vaccines to give booster shots to a large part of our population who got vaccinated early. I don't think that's true, though. I don't think there's any supply issues at this time as it relates to um, acquisition or supply of the COVID vaccine. I mean, the UK has mm -hmm. been very generous in making sure that we get. And I feel kind of, um, this might be a little bit selfish of us, Kevin, but I have kind of felt like, you know what, because there hasn't been as much of an uptick of it in certain other jurisdictions, the US, even the UK, um, you know, their numbers are kind of lagging in terms of vaccination compared to where they'd love to have it. Um, I think that that has benefited us because there's been no real supply issues for that part of the world. So they've been more than happy to send us, oh, you guys need more vaccine? Here you go. No problem. They've been sending us um, enough for sure. Yeah, and, and that's one of, the, what's one of the things that I, I was not as pleased with the response um, that I that I got on the booster shots because I'm, I, I was asking if we have <clears throat> so much vaccine um, that, you know, we have the ability to, to keep on vaccinate individuals, um, why don't we open up? some more places to get vaccinated, especially for those who are very eager to get the booster shot. We still have a mm -hmm. lot of people that are not yet eligible because they haven't reached the age or they're not considered in that higher higher risk category, but yet they still want the booster shot. Um, and so at least here in the States, I know we operate a lot differently than we, they do in Cayman and other places. I know Cayman's managed it, managed it extremely well, 
But mm -hmm. here, you could go to your private providers. You could go to your ph most pharmacies. That's who's giving out more than 90% of the vaccines. Now, mm -hmm. it's going to be your private pharmacies, um, your CVS, your Walgreens, your Walmart pharmacies, mm -hmm. all of those pharmacies. You just go in and get your, your shot. Um, but why don't we help utilize the private sector a little bit more? So I guess one of the, the, the answers that I did get, which, I mean, I think it still could be done, but I guess once we accepted the vaccine from the UK, um, we're under the agreement that it's going to be given out by public health. Um, there will mm -hmm. need to be another waiver that would be, um, that people would have to sign should they have private sector doctors um, give the vaccine. Well, I, you know, that's who cares if you want to sign another paper, uh, give it, you know, we want to make sure that we want to get as many people boosted, especially before we have more communities spread. Um, and, and so I would say if, it, if I was a decision maker, um, they really need to consider allowing or yeah. open up some more. Capacity. I mean, what, what I have found, um, Kevin, is a lot of and maybe this, this is a conversation that we can have with some of the private facilities um doing more of an interview with them individually but i have found that a lot of them actually don't mind public health taking the lead on it because then they're tracking the vaccination numbers um there's no delay in, in reporting of those numbers i mean they can be you know updated in the system immediately um some facilities some private facilities are saying they don't have the storage facility i think the majority of them simply don't want the headache i mean because essentially the vaccine is free the vaccine will come at no cost and they would be then using their resources their staff to administer a vaccine that they make no money off of you know nobody's going to pay them to administer the vaccine mm -hmm. that's um, available free so i think there are a number of business um concerns mixed in with you know what they do a fine job recording um they haven't been i don't think that public health has been inundated by any means, um, they've been handling it. Uh, someone did mention yesterday that at the Lions Center, where they have been administering the vaccine, folks, and make sure you know where to go now, uh, that they had a, a good uh, uptick yesterday in terms of the numbers there. And I think as we see community spread uh, continuing to increase, we will see more and more people recognizing that they need to go and get vaccinated. So here's some uh, more recent, uh, this is the current vaccination schedule. Uh, so mostly at Lion Center, there's some people who messaged me yesterday, said they were at Cayman Bay, and I said, oh, no. Um, so today, is that today? Today's the 27th, yeah. Um, so booster, uh, your third dose available to healthcare workers, 50 plus, and clinically extremely vulnerable individuals. And uh, we do see that the sister islands there at the Ashton Ready is um, going to be getting some some boosters available to them. And then, of course, most of it has been at the Lions Center. We've got a couple in some of the community community locations. So West Bay Healthcare Health Center is coming up. That looks like tomorrow. And then we've got Kimana Bay over the weekend. But I can tell you that at the Prospect Community Office on Thursday, I heard that they had a very good turnout. Like lots of people came. And, and it's great that people are excited to go ahead and get it. You know, you know, on Friday I got my booster dose. So on Saturday I was, you know, feeling the effects from it where I, I had a little bit of a headache, a very low fever. Um, to me, I think my second shot, actually I had a bit more um, of that exhaustion than my booster in, in my personal experience. Mm -hmm. My headache wasn't quite as bad for my booster shot. Um, and mm -hmm. I was not as, I was exhausted, but not as exhausted as my second shot. Um, but overall, by Sunday, I was probably, I would say, like 95% back to me. And then by by yet, by Monday, uh, it was completely, you know, completely back to me. 
Um, I just have the small little lump in my arm from um, from it. But other than that, I also didn't just get the booster shot at the same time I got the flu shot um, in my other arm. So here, <clears throat> which I found very interesting on last night's show as well, is the flu shot's not yet available in Cayman. And, and that's I find that to be so weird because here in on the east coast of the United States, um, well, just actually throughout the nation, we're in flu season now and mm -hmm. so there's always a big big push to get everyone um the flu shot before halloween that's the big push that's uh, what the centers for disease control and prevention the cdc um is really pushing um and there's a reason for that um because we know flu comes from the other side of the world and eventually makes its way on over here and so people start to increase travel pretty much around our Thanksgiving time. You know, there's different mm -hmm. Thanksgiving, but American Thanksgiving. And so if you get your flu shot by, let's say, Halloween, the flu shot mm -hmm. takes about two weeks before you really get the benefits of the flu shot. And so that, that gives you that protection in time for when you increase your travel for Thanksgiving. And then right after Thanksgiving, you have Christmas. And so that's when a lot more people are spreading the lovely viruses that they might have yeah. with each other. So you have that protection in place before the travel season really picks up. So mm -hmm. there's always a big push, again, to have your flu shot uh, completed by the end of October. Um, because, again, you'll build up that immunity in time for when virus is really um, going around the place. But what Dr. Lee shared on last night's show, he said um, we sourced most of our vaccines from the Pan American Health Organization, PAHO. And um, we don't receive that flu vaccine until sometime in November. Mm -hmm. People are, especially, you know, we have a long weekend, November, and that's a big travel time for, for us Caymanians that do our Christmas shopping. And so, you know, that's when people are starting to really pick up the mobility and in, in international travel. Um, I wish that that would change because mm -hmm. that, that opens the door for the potential of a lot more flu cases than we really need to have. So that was an interesting thing that I learned on last night's show that we just don't even have mm -hmm. the vaccine until November. Yeah. Well, um, Kev, um, we have Nona um, saying that there's not enough um, vaccines available for those of us under 50 to get booster shots and that she got vaccinated nine months ago and so her protection is basically gone. Well, the good news, Nona, is I've just confirmed with the HSA when I saw your comment that they have lots of vaccines. There's no issues in terms of shortages and there's more on the way. So the UK is, is more than happy to continue supplying us with vaccines um, if we um, are using it, you know, if, it, if it's going to waste then they're going to say, why are we sending you vaccine when other people need it? But certainly if it's being utilized, which it has been, there will be no shortage of supply from what we can see. I want to comment um, on the second part of the question too, Sandra, because that's, that's also not accurate. Um, sorry? I wanted to comment on the second part of that as well yeah. too, um, saying that there's no more protection. That's just not true. There is, you're still protected. Right. You might you might have some waning in the immunity. You might have a little less than when you first got it. But, you know, the booster dose is just really another, another boost to it. Think of, it, like when if you ever had the hepe shot um it, that's three different shots you know before you you build up that immunity a little bit more um to have the best protection but you certainly will continue to have protection you still certainly mm -hmm. have protection it just right. might not be as as much as when you just just got it so you, you know but again sandra said it you've heard it many times it's one uh, one thing in your toolkit 
The vaccine is one of the best tools that we have to prevent you from getting sick. But in addition to that, you still have to wear your mask when you're out and about and social distance um, as best you can when you're out and about in the community. You got to continue washing your hands so you're not touching a contaminated surface and then putting it in your eyes, nose or mouth. So um, mm -hmm. you still have to continue doing all of those public health recommendations in order mm -hmm. to, to really reduce that chance of you getting exposed. Right. Okay. Um, there was also, I'll send you this link. No, no, you might find this interesting. Um, but again, you know, I'll, I'll, you know, the Delta variant was a huge um, game changer, but the UK recently assessed more than 350,000 COVID test results uh, taken as part of a large household survey between May and August, uh, where the Delta strain was variant. And again, it was um, random samples, regardless of symptoms. Um, to ensure that both mild and asymptomatic infections are being picked up. And the study, which is yet to be peer reviewed, found that, um, you know, basically you were still getting people who might have been vaccinated early on who still had good protection. So, um, yeah, we'll, um, I'll send you this link because you might find this interesting to know. So, um, Maria, Mary, was it Maria? Um, let me just see. There's another. Oh, Miranda, sorry. So that there's 500 different stories on this virus. What is accurate? What is fake? Oh my God! May God help us. Knowledge is power. Knowledge is indeed um, power, Miranda. And that's why we have been um, having these uh, COVID spotlight series. For we're like now episode that was episode twelve last night, Kevin. I believe it was number twelve. And again, yeah. I mean, yes, there are five hundred stories on the virus because the virus affects everyone in different ways, and the virus also. And there's a lot of mis misinformed stories out there as well and that's yes. where you've got to you've got to be mindful of where you're getting your information from so folks just a reminder that you can always join the conversation pop in at any time um you can do video link humanmallroad.com backslash talk show and uh you know some people are more comfortable talking on the phone i'm trying to see how we can integrate the phone calls like directly um into the system that is something that i am i'm working it's not quite as easy as people think, but I'm looking at some options there. And, um, you know, you can also WhatsApp your comments, or of course you can comment here. The other quick thing uh, I wanted to say is the, I've confirmed that the flu vaccine will be here towards the end of November. So um, like Kevin said, you know, in the US, they're obviously getting, getting access to it a little bit earlier than that because he was able to get his last week already, but we will have um, dosages being rolled out at the end of November once it's available. So Damien, that should answer your question. Good morning to um, Carla. Um, she said no issues so far. She rubbed her arm with Vicks. <laughs> that good old Vicks boy, it cures everything that ails you. I used a little bit this morning myself because I was feeling um, a little bit congested over the last couple mornings. So I just put a little Vicks and that just clears your sinuses out. Um, so that's always good. I can't use the, I've got one bottle. Now, I don't know, this is really weird, Kevin. This might just be, um, you know, psychosomatic, but I've got one bottle of Vicks that I've had forever because, you know, it seems to last forever. And um, for me, that particular bottle seems to be more potent than ones that I've purchased since then. So I've cracked open some new ones. I'm like, they're not as strong as my old bottle. <laughs> Let me go back to the old bottle. You know, I feel like the newer versions that come along aren't as good. It's like the little Vicks inhalers that, you know, you used to get. Um, I believe that they're so weak nowadays as well, yes. too. I guess I must uh, inhale them a little too much growing up when I would have the sniffles. 
But no, I, I kind of feel what you're saying with that. The older ones, I don't know if it's like wine that gets better when the more the older it is. Yeah. So Alice says, I do believe that um, all who receive first and second shots should be getting the booster shot regardless of age. Well, eventually they will get there, um, Alice. It's just a matter of prioritizing uh, the older individuals. They want to get the vulnerable the first. Yeah. So at the moment, it's 50 plus. And then anyone who's in healthcare workers, because obviously they're at risk, as well as anyone um, <clears throat> who's considered high risk, uh, exists in comorbidities and stuff like that. And uh, we did have a word with, um, you know, the CEO at the HSA last week about people who had comorbidities who were being turned away because they were not yet 60. And she said, no, 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 that shouldn't be happening. So hopefully that has um, that has now been rectified so that even if you're 25 and you're immunosuppressant um, for some reason, you know, you've got some sort of condition, you should be able to go in there and get your booster shot at this particular time. So um, quite a few people have been doing that. Ms. Darlene says the PCR test is a, is the safe test. She's tested three times and was negative a day or two after did the PCR test um, and was positive. I do believe they've gotten better though. So I think the lateral test she must have taken initially, I think. Potentially, yes. or it just was not that she had enough viral load at times. So yeah, because before. remember, this so is, many different things that could yeah, happen. Yeah, this is what was happening um, mm -hmm. during our um, early days. You know, people would come in negative at travel, and then by day 14, and all the, listen, all of the positive results in travelers are showing up at exit. So this is after their quarantine period, they're showing up positive. And that's because when they got the, the actual PCR test 72 hours before, they may have been positive. Um, in all likelihood, they were positive because if they're in isolation by themselves, there'd be no other way for them to get it. But um, it's just a case where the viral load in their system wasn't sufficient enough to produce a positive result. And there's another and thing that goes into that is a realistic thing that I know certainly happens. And I, I got this when my cousin came to drop her daughter off um, at USF to go to mm -hmm. college is when she was in Jamaica to get her PCR test. Um, the PCR test, the person, you know, little Q-tip thing that they stick up your nose, they only did the very rim. Mm. That, that's not going, that's not a PCR test. You got to stick that thing pretty much to take a brain sample, it feels like, because, you know, it's not a very comfortable thing. And so it really also de de uh, depends on if the person that is carrying out that PCR test, if they've actually carried it out the way it's supposed to be carried out, because yeah. you can have a false result if someone's not doing it properly. Right. So uh, th there's so many different variables that are at play, um, which is why you have to make sure that staff who are doing those tests are doing it properly. And, um, you know, you, you're still, especially if you have any symptoms, doing everything you can to, to reduce any chance of you spreading it to someone else. If you have the sniffles, treat it like it's COVID. Yeah. So Nona wants to know, she's 49. Can she go and get her shot today? Again, Nona, um, I don't know that they're going to turn you away at age 49. And I don't know what your health situation is. I don't know if you have any comorbidities, but if you're diabetic, if you have high blood pressure, if you're obese, um, you know, any of those things increase your, your risk uh, as it relates to COVID. I think that you could make an, an argument to the HSA there at the Lions Center that, hey, I'm almost 50. Um, and then I've got these other <clears throat> comorbidities on top of it. So I'd like to get my vaccine now. And I don't think you're going to have a problem. So Celine says she's done her first and second, second shot with no issues. Um, Nona says that my children will bring it home from school. So I'm sure that I'll be exposed sooner rather than later. So um, <clears throat> let's talk a little bit about um, Hannah's agreeing about the VIX comment. And Alice says the best one is the UK one. 
and you can get it from the Savannah Pharmacy. I've never had the UK one, but um, I I think it's the one I'm using is pretty strong. Um, oh, Jonathan says got to listen from YouTube today. Data didn't work for Facebook. That's strange. Just a quick reminder for YouTube listeners. Um, we have two YouTube channels because one is a backup because sometimes YouTube is a little bit crazy. And so I see three people on the backup stream right now, 57 on the other one. Uh, I'm going to just be doing the one stream because um, my husband's reminding me he's so techy. But he was reminding me last night of the whole purpose of having a backup stream is that whatever video could potentially um, put you temporarily in, in YouTube jail, you don't want to have on both <laughs> platforms, which is true. So for the three of you who are watching on the backup stream, you'll know because that one has fewer subscribers. The primary YouTube channel has, I think, over like three and a half thousand subscribers now. Flip over to that one because that's where that will be our primary um, feed for YouTube. And only if <clears throat> we're having a problem with that stream, will we then flip to the second one. So subscribe to both, <clears throat> sorry, and take on that little option. When you go to YouTube, um, it's like a little bell where you can say that you want to be notified every single time a channel goes live. So um, I know some people prefer, I'll show you guys what it looks like here. Some of you actually prefer, um, you prefer YouTube uh, feed in any event. Uh, some people don't have Facebook, for example. So they do prefer to um, use YouTube. I'll just show you guys just in case. Um, so Kevin, we have some new options, but I think I need to take that comment off. There we go. It drops this all the way at the bottom. All right. So this is a YouTube channel. Uh, 54 people now watching in this one. And then um, that one always comes up for me. I don't even know where the other one is, but there is, there is a secondary channel. So whenever you go... Um, into here you make sure you subscribe but then you also click this little bell on the side you see that little bell right next to the subscription button that will ensure that you actually get notified every single time that channel goes live so there are two um let me just see if i can find the second one i don't know it always gives me this one but there is a second one i think i'm subscribed to this one there actually is a second one as well that you can um that you can find right and then you find them both and you subscribe to them both. And then that way you can get, um, let me just, maybe if I put in less of it. Anyway, just keep looking for the other ones. It's there somewhere. So there's actually two pages and you can subscribe to both. And then I would say, um, you know, that one will come up first in terms of notifications. So yes, awesome. Um, so, Renita, good morning. Good morning to Vanessa. Um, so Nona says the link says that 80% immunity fades within six months after receiving Pfizer. So I have 20% immunity. I need a booster. Um, and I was looking, we did have an interview with, on one of the shows. And I really, again, encourage her to please watch some of the previous shows because um, I haven't been able to take clips out of every single one of them, but that was explained a little bit more in detail. It's, it's a very tricky read on some of it. I mean, I think you're interpreting it a little incorrectly. Yes, you have some less um, you know, protection, but it does not eliminate your protection at all. And I wanted it to come from the actual expert that could actually explain that a little bit more. I can't find that. I was kind of looking mm -hmm. through 
when I saw your comment. But please, please watch some of the previous shows. Um, they're all inside the same album, the Kim and Marlwood COVID-19 Spotlight Series um, on Facebook, if you're um, watching on Facebook. And uh, you could really look at those shows where the experts are explaining it. But if I could find that, mm -hmm. um, that sound, but I'll, I'll send it over to Sandra to be able to play, because um, I did chop some things up. Um, but um, please, again, it, it just do some more research on that. You still have protection. Yes, you should still get your booster. Um, yes, I know you're very anxious. Um, soon come. It, it's coming yeah. soon. And, and here's another study. Um, and you have to remember, Nona, that the thing about this is a lot of the studies and information is coming out in almost real time, like literally as a study comes out. That's why you'll see a lot of times I'm reading you the information. It'll say that it's not yet been peer reviewed because it's so fresh right? So that's important to have it peer reviewed because that's where the medical professionals look at it and they dissect it. And, you know, um, that's an important process and any data um, collection and, and reporting that's done, any, any studies that are done, but um, there's still good information out there. And here's one that's uh, uh, published in the New England Journal of Medicine that found that protection against hospitalization uh, remained about 90% for six months among fully vaccinated people in Qatar. And again, um, there's been a similar study in the U.S. that followed 3.4 million Pfizer recipients, and they found that protection against hospitalization held strong at 90% for six months, including among older people. So that's really, really important. Um, the Moderna vaccine, again, they're also, um, you know, watching that, and they say that that's slightly more effective than Pfizer and um, that has been trending really well. So the protection in terms of your antibodies is uh, still there um, at a high percentage, even at the six month mark. So it's not dropping. It's not like you have a instantaneous drop at 20% once you hit the six month uh, mark. And in fact, it's saying that it is uh, quite a bit, still quite high and you know, 90%, even 70% um, would be amazing. And Sandra, so, I did most find people that only I did find that interview if you want to um, kind of download Yeah, we've it. got a couple of videos that we're definitely going to play here. And keep in, in mind, known as well, that we are 10 months into this in terms of vaccination, right? So um, there is, like I said, real-time information that is becoming available, and they're looking at numbers. The, the fantastic news, though, is with over, as a, is it a total of over 6 billion people, or has it gone over that? Um, um, let me check the last thing from the World Health Organization, but it was definitely over 6 billion. Um, yeah, so over 6 billion worldwide have been vaccinated. That gives them some pretty good numbers. So now the dosages given um, is at 6.92 billion yeah. and fully vaccinated is um, 2.97 billion. So basically half of those people, about 3 billion people are now fully vaccinated. And that accounts for 38.1% of the world's population. Still pretty low, folks, uh, when you think about, you know, uh, places like China, India, Brazil, they have millions of people and um, their percentages are like kind of low. Japan is at 70.6%. Brazil is at 54.7%. The U.S. not doing much better than Brazil is only at 57.9%. India, sadly, is at 22.4%. The percentage of um, the population fully vaccinated in China, we don't even seem to know because... <laughs> Uh, they say that they've given over 2 billion dosages and about 1 uh, billion has been fully vaccinated. So I guess they're about at 50% or so. 
Um, so there is a world vaccination tracker that you can have a look at. But let's uh, watch this video from last night's show and then we'll play the other one there. Andrea, good morning. Um, suggesting soursop, um, soursop leaf tea, drink it night and day. What is it good for? Um, so Sue says, so if my daughter did the lateral test on her son the other day, result was good. So is it true? Well, again, um, he should repeat that lateral test in a couple days, um, is the advice. And, um, it's probably going to be about 90% accurate. So there's that 10%. You know, nothing, nothing in life is a hundred percent folks. I, they, they say, they've always said the only thing is certain in life is death and taxes, <laughs> you know? And I guess that remains a very, very true. Um, absolutely nothing is a hundred percent. Kevin compared it to the pregnancy test. You, you've known people who've taken a home pregnancy test and it said they were positive or not positive, whatever. And it was wrong. So, you know, nothing in life is 100%. And normally what ends up happening is because, you know, when you become pregnant, you produce certain um, hormonal changes. And that's what that test is looking for. As the pregnancy progresses, um, that increases. But, you know, we all watch these crazy shows. I didn't know I was pregnant. <laughs> it's like the person shows up at the ER saying, oh, I've just got gas pains tonight. And two minutes later, they're having a baby. And they carried the baby for like eight, nine months and didn't even know that they were pregnant. These things happen. Nothing in life, folks, is 100%. So keep that in mind and let's watch this video from last night. Whether or not we've gotten it right in the past couple of days, Kevin, we haven't. But who has? But what it has shown is that we have a dedicated team who are willing to come together to put the resources where they where we see that they're needing any little gaps. We're willing to put that, to fill them as quickly as we can. The civil service has been having um been on a war footing for really some weeks now um meeting every day at 10 o'clock for at least an hour to discuss where we are what we're doing what's what's coming up what's happened what can we learn and adjusting our response um on on a minute by minute level we are a thousand and fifty five uh, persons strong as an organization and uh, close to two-thirds of that are in clinical areas we we have a plan in relation to even after the, the currently practicing and registered nursing cater is exhausted or, or reached its capacity, we do have a number of individuals and staff who were trained, experienced nurses who may have been promoted into administrative roles at this time that can also provide backfill support. So continuously recruiting, but feeling very good about where we are right now. Um, we do, we, as I said, we have set up this isolation hotline to assist people who need it. Now, again, there is an assessment that people have to go through to get that assistance. So it's not, uh, you know, obviously free for all food, but it's very much uh, the government is here to help you if you need those, those food supplies. Um, and we're very happy to, to do that. We have put in the isolation support hotline that Miss Danny is heading up. And that number for persons who need groceries or just assistance with getting uh, those letters for your employers. And please correct me, Danny, if I, I'm, I'm going off. But that, that welfare support line for groceries and non-clinical stuff is 1-800-534-3530 um, or 946-3530. Three five three zero, and it's running at the bottom of the screen. These are all of the things that we're trying to do in order to make life as easy as possible while assisting you to adhere to the isolation and quarantining protocols.
we have to look to examples of other countries where they have high vaccination rates rather than countries with, with low or patchy vaccination rates because they're the best exemplars of where we are likely to be in a few weeks or months time. And in those countries, you will have seen that although infection rates rise very high, the numbers of admissions to hospital are relatively constrained and people have been able to cope. We do have a reliable source of oxygen supply locally. In addition to the direct supply, we maintain adequate oxygen supplies on hand to carry us for at least 10 days under normal circumstances, notwithstanding the fact that our supply has been reliable um, for all the years it has served us. We've also invested in the procurement of our own oxygen generating capacity, and we intend to install a plant here at the main hospital over the upcoming weeks in the event that our demand heightens beyond what our local supply can provide. We have a backup source of um, of supply. We are a, um, we are right a, a country um, which has three hospitals and other resources beyond that. And all of these different agencies have all committed to 100% to supporting the initiatives to look after people if should they become sick with COVID. So in fact, if you look at the intensive care unit beds um, compared to the 100,000 population, we have currently 37. And if we max out, if we use every bed just for COVID patients, we can actually reach 59 intensive care beds per 100,000 population. That's compared to the United States as 29 and the United Kingdom six per 100,000. We have, have at max 59. Once we've got two patients in critical care and, uh, and we've utilized two in a medical ward, um, we're going to open the RCU. And once there are more patients, if there are probably another two in RCU, we're going to trigger opening the field hospital. We have uh, um, what Dr. Cummins referred to as the RCU, which is a respiratory care unit that has an eight bed capacity. And um, the, the areas which are where we house our high dependency um, patients such as critical care unit and others do have the capacity for negative pressure environments, which we utilize to limit the potential for disease spread when um, COVID positive patients are within those areas. As far as the flu vaccine is concerned, we follow the timetable of PAHO that's where we get the majority of our vaccines from. <clears throat> and it's expected here in November. Um, we don't have that much control over the arrival date of that. In the Cayman Islands, we tend to see um, a lot of the 20-year-olds and the 30-year-olds being the more, um, uh, we, we tend to see more cases in, in that age group at this point in time. And the reason for that are one, persons who are older may have been vaccinated. So there's a greater amount of vaccination in the 50-year-old and 60 because they were the ones at risk. The younger ones felt they weren't at risk and they were less vaccinated, first thing. The second point is, as Dr. Lee mentioned, there's more socializing. The younger ones, the 20-year-old and so on, they tend to their lifestyle, going to the beach and hanging out together and so on. So I think it's a combination of things that has caused that age group to be the one that we see more infections in at this point in time on the Cayman Islands. The numbers of people who are coming forward sick are obviously worrying. And at the moment, they only have minor coughs and snuffles. But we don't want it to get worse than that. But there are an awful lot of young people in that group. A lot of dates of birth that I watch are people that are in their 
20s and 30s. And that is also the group that are least vaccinated in this country. And I would really ask them to consider their decisions very carefully mm -hmm. because I don't want to see any of them in hospital suffering. And I really do not want to see anybody um, uh, um, um, uh, do badly as a result of COVID-19 because we know that vaccination can protect you from bad outcomes. Things are going to get better with regards to managers, managing this pandemic. So hope, hope is, is there. It's going to get better. And I say to people, um, continue to protect yourselves, wear your masks, do the best for yourselves, and we will get through this. I know it's a worrying time here in Cayman. You can reduce that worry by getting vaccinated because it'll protect you, it really will. Um, but it will get better. There are a lot of very good drugs out there, tablets that are going to work against COVID should you get it, and so on and so forth. So I... Um, I um, thank everybody for their attention and really keep going with the non-pharmaceutical interventions, distancing, masks, and hygiene, because they will protect you um, uh, to a good degree. We don't know what the next month or two will bring, but you can be assured that the HSA is going to be working very hard to manage the circumstances that present as we go through this pandemic. And this government at the forefront is making sure our people will always be at the forefront and we are making sure that all protocols are in place to keep persons as safe as possible. All right, folks. So um, a little bit of a snippet from last night in case you missed uh, the show. Again, we welcome you to go back and watch it. You can watch it on uh, YouTube and Facebook. Um, we even stream on, on um, believe it or not, on LinkedIn and Twitter in case you ever watch streaming there, but I think most people are on Facebook or, um, or YouTube. Big shout out to Fosters this morning, folks. You know that I am on a new plan. I'm calling it 50 by 50, where I aim to lose 50 pounds by the time I turn 50, so I've got a couple years to go. Taking it slow and easy, <laughs> because I know, how, I know how changes can be so hard, y'all. I'm not trying to do this overnight. I'm not like, oh, I'm gonna lose 100 pounds in six months. Um, no, I, I believe in slow and easy and methodical. And so I've started some very um, small changes to some lifestyle changes that I'm hoping can stick, right? So one of the form of habit. Yes, exactly. And one of the things that I know that I struggle with, and I've got a long list when it comes to the diet, actually, um, is I struggle with eating breakfast in the morning. I'm just not a breakfast person. Like maybe on Sundays, I'm like, okay, let's go get breakfast. But, you know, all the research shows, and we can't be sitting here talking about we believe in research for COVID, not believe it for other things. So um, I know this to be true. All the research shows that people who make um, the lifestyle, um, adopt the lifestyle habit of eating breakfast in the morning, they're more likely to keep weight off. You break that fast. And um, it's really, really important to get fuel for the day. And then you're less likely to overconsume when it comes to lunchtime. So I told you guys, you know, I've been doing the little oatmeal packets. And then I was telling you how much I love the overnight oats from the Ritz. They still have the best, but they ain't open now. And I can't drive there in the morning to get my overnight oats right now. So I had went to the Foster's the other day and I got somebody recommended their overnight oats. And I did get um, a few of these. And so I was just thinking to myself this morning, oh gosh, I need to eat some breakfast. And so I grabbed this one out of the fridge and um, we have some blueberries in it, some strawberries. I think they put a little bit of coconut shavings on top. 
And what else has it got in it? It looks like it's got um, some um, oats and I think there's something else in here other than just oats. But anyways, it's an oats mixture basically. And it's not too bad, I must say. It's not too bad. So this is gonna be breakfast. I'm gonna try to finish this because the other thing is uh, most of the time, you know, I'll start this and I, I'll eat like two spoons and then it doesn't get finished. So the goal is really to try to have a proper breakfast. I think this should count as a proper breakfast overnight oats. Um, so I'm thinking, Kev, even if I can do this oh, three times a week, four times a week, I'm halfway there. Work it in there. Yeah. And listen, you know, right now the benefit of doing things um lifestyle wise um is really really important because we need everything that we can to help our immune system so obviously again we're talking about that toolkit we've got mask wearing in our arsenal and all these other things losing the weight is going to help you because that's a comorbidity making sure that you don't become a diabetic if you're on blood pressure um if you have blood pressure issues keeping that under control these are some of the things that we can do exercising boost your immune system so um, I love how some people are like, oh, drink, drink um, soup. Like that's going to help your immune system. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with chicken soup, but those people never even go for a walk, you know, and they're getting, they don't understand the necessity to exercise. To also well, the thing is with soup too, Sandra, food. people got to realize that a lot of the soups that we love, probably not really the best. You're extremely high in sodium. dumpling. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, what type of soup you don't want to drink, what my grandma would say, insipid soup. So, you know, we want to make sure that, you know, you, you, this is a perfect time to, you know, the pandemic also allowed us to start thinking a little bit more about public health and, and thinking about health and wellness mm -hmm. a lot more. And so, yeah, it, it, those who are healthier likely are going to do better with COVID. And so the discussion needs to certainly continue into... You know, everyone needs to start thinking about how to live their lives in a healthier way. And, and yeah, that does mean reducing some of the good stuff that we grew up with that is bad for our health. And, and you know, it's not saying you can't ever have it, but it, it needs to be done in moderation so we could ultimately have better health. Mm -hmm. So um, Misha says, I have a question. My friend is one of the nannies um, who underwent the swab test yesterday. She's working with the family where the child is in the class that tested positive. So not the not the positive child, it sounds like she's just in the class with a positive kid. Now her employer is asking her to go to work today. So the question is, mm -hmm. does she have to go to work? Um, you know, the these, are, these are trying times, I think in terms of like the law, the labor law, um, you know, even knowing how to handle these things. I think that it would be sensible, but I know nanny situations are obviously the parents probably have, they feel like they have no other choice. I'm sure they're probably going to work today. Um, so, you know, if obviously the public health law as it is now is if, if you have a positive, the persons associated with that have to quarantine. Um, if you have um, people in a classroom with a positive child, I think the protocol right now is for all of those persons to get tested, but they don't necessarily have to isolate. I guess in a way, uh, Misha, that nanny is now quarantining or potentially isolating with the family that she works for. So say, for example, later on today, she gets a positive test result. Um, she's going to have to stay with that family. 
Now, I don't know if she's, I don't know outside of her nanny duties, if she has a family of her own, because this is where the difficulties come in, especially with nannies, I think, because they're in such close um, quarters with the people that they work with, the children and then those families. And if they're not a live-in nanny, that presents a little bit of a ticklish situation because they may find themselves having to quarantine with their employer. And there's um, going to be times when you cannot 100% eliminate the threat. But if there's no other no other way to, you know, not, you know, to avoid a situation where they're coming together, you could live in the same house as a COVID person, a COVID positive individual and still not get COVID. You just have to make sure you're doing everything you can to reduce the chance of transmission. So if you don't have to be, you know, it, it all probably depends on the age of the child um, that you might be taking care of. But let's say you have no other choice but to be there. Make sure you're always wearing your mask at all times. You're doing frequent hand washing. You're not in close contact within, you know, that six feet for any long period of time. You try to stay away as much as possible. You can still do other things, um, but do your absolute best to reduce any chance of the virus being able to transmit from one person to the other. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, living in a world where COVID is around us, whether you got exposed because of someone else who got it or you're out at the grocery and you got it, there are going to be certain things. You know, you're going to have you're going to have some risk. No matter what you do, you're going to have some risk and you just have yeah. to, you know, be prepared. And the ultimate thing is as long as you are fully vaccinated and you're doing your absolute best to avoid mm -hmm. any type of transmission, you're going to be better off. Not saying yeah. it'll be 100 percent, but you will be better off. Yeah. And it's just like um, any other virus to a certain extent. I mean, although it's it's highly transmissible. Um, but, you know, I've had a cold in my household. Nobody else got it. Uh, we've been in a household. My daughter had a cold and my husband and I didn't get it. And we're hugging her and doing all sorts of stuff, right? She's only five years old. So, um, you know, when, when we notice that someone's coming down with the sniffles, we do double up on things around the house. You know, we're, we're wiping down doorknobs. We are you know, wiping down the light switches, like everything that people touch, we're trying to sanitize. Now we do know that obviously COVID and even the flu and cold vaccine, there are airborne droplets. So I know one of our experts said to make sure if you can open windows, yeah. how many of us open windows? Somebody called me yesterday and they were asking about, um, they said Flo called in a janitorial company to do deep uh, cleaning after a couple of their employees turned up positive. And they're wondering what constitutes deep cleaning because they didn't see them spraying down any surfaces or anything like that um, or cleaning the carpet because they're like, oh, you know, they thought they would have cleaned the carpet. I'm like, well, to be honest, we know that on surfaces, COVID really isn't, that's not the way that you're going to get it, right? How you're going to get it is coming in contact with someone who has it for that 15 minute mark, uh, being in that same airspace with them. And then, you know, somehow those droplets are, are injected in your system, whether you touch your face or, you know, whatever. But um, let's be honest here. And I said to her, I said, is there any way for them to open the window? Most buildings are not designed in this day and age with a window, especially corporate came in with a window that can be open. So it's not like you can get fresh air in your workplace or in these buildings, our homes, thankfully, um, are designed a little bit different than that. So open the window occasionally, let that fresh air in, changing your air filtration uh, filters. So making sure that the AC is serviced on a regular basis, maybe even using special types of filters that give you a little bit more protection in terms of the filtration of those filters. 
at this at a time like this is really, really important. So let's watch another video. Um, Nona says, can doctors bring in Pfizer privately? So we were talking about this earlier. As it stands now, Nona, um, apparently not. Um, but again, I don't think that you're going to have an issue uh, getting the vaccine from the public health. Uh, Kim confirms that she's in Texas and she received, uh, she's vaccinated with Moderna and she got her, um, uh, she says, good morning, I'm vaccinated with Moderna and we'll get the Moderna booster in December. So very good. Rachel enjoyed the show last night. And Kevin, before we go to this video, you know, um, prep the first and third year, uh, they have two confirmed cases. First and third year, it was only a matter of time. Listen, every single school is going to have it. I wouldn't even worry about it at this point. We had uh, Tiny Tots had a positive case this week. We had another daycare. Um, I forget which one that is. I'll tell you in a second. Now prep. You know, it, it's going to run through the schools, folks. Um, it is what it is at the end of the day. We can expect that to be the ongoing trend. And, um, you know, you just got to know that if it's if your child is in that classroom, you might have very, very specific protocols and a lot of schools. So Tiffany's preschool had a couple of positive cases as well. So a lot of schools now know, um, you know, they've got their COVID plan where my daughter goes to school. They email that plan out from the second community transmission, um, you know, started. They changed certain things uh, not started was confirmed and known to be occurring because again community transmission would have started months ago so they've they've uh, taken on board the education uh ministry's plan tweaked it to their specific institution no one is allowed in that school who is unvaccinated so they do have visitors come into the school for like a music teacher and yoga and other stuff for the kids but you're not allowed in that school if you're not vaccinated um and you know children can wear masks obviously these are very young kids but they still give them the option of wearing a mask if they want um you know there's certain things that they're doing on the outside washing hands and doing all that stuff before they even enter the school um so the other thing i wanted to say is cayman brack now has its first set of uh confirmed community cases as well so we understand that there's several in the brack um at least one i think it's two bartenders and a DJ. Um, again, that bar environment is a highly contagious environment, folks. Um, and in addition to that, they've got about nine um, firemen in isolation because they're connected to either the bars, the firemen hanging out of the bars, <laughs> or um, they are connected to the public works worker from uh, the PWD worker from Little Cayman. Because remember, I told you guys over the weekend that he went to the fire station to do some presentation or something there. So, um, yeah, so there's that. So the BRAC, and again, I'm, I'm not going to be surprised when you hear in the coming days that they have confirmed probably more cases in Little Cayman as well. So let's watch this video. This is going to um, answer a few questions that some of you have had. And again, to the person who asked about the six-month mark, I think that was, um, who was that? Um, I think it was no but yeah so um six months after your last dose is when you become eligible and you want to follow these timings um you know precisely especially if it's like don't take it before this point because again all the research is coming in they're uh they've got the dosages set 
at a certain amount um, and so on. So don't be playing doctor and be like, oh, I've, I had my second shot two months ago. I'm going to run and get a booster. That's not what you want to do. You want to wait until the six month mark. So um, we've got this video here again. Um, which which expert was this one, Kevin? Um, that one, I think, was Dr. Klotman um, yes. from Baylor University, or Baylor yes. um, Health. Absolutely. Get it infected, you know, breakthrough infections, about 10 or 15% will get breakthrough. It's gotten more and more with Pfizer because it's waning antibody levels. But they don't, go to, they don't get really, really terribly ill. So they're not getting hospitalized. They're not dying. That's probably because you have a head start. If you've been vaccinated, even if your antibodies are dropping out, your body has the memory. It's a head start. So if you're infected, you're already boosted and you, you respond very quickly. So it helps control the infection, um, you know, so you don't get really, really sick. I don't know if you've had this experience. I've had the experience of having the flu vaccination. It wasn't a perfect match that year. And I got the flu. But it was a two-day illness. I got, you know, I had a fever and I didn't feel good for two days. If you don't, if you're not vaccinated, I've also gotten the flu when I'm not vaccinated. It's a 10-day to two-week illness, and they're in bad years. There are 50,000 people in the United States who die from the flu. But if you're vaccinated, if even if you get a, a you know, have a, a an infection, it's pretty mild. All right, Kev. Yeah. So hopefully that's that's a. I mean, I think Dr. Klotman did a wonderful job of um, explaining, you know, how the protection works. So Damien, um, well, Alice says, I pray that who's not vaccinated, that they get vaccinated. Rachel enjoyed the show as well. Damien says, well, Kim, I'll be importing protein-based vaccines brands really soon. So we've had the AstraZeneca already available. I don't know if any... As, did we find out last night if any of the AstraZeneca's left, Kevin? Yeah, um, they did say that it is available. Um, mm -hmm. So that was one of the things that uh, if someone wants the AstraZeneca vaccine, they could certainly request that. Um, but Pfizer, um, it, the question to, that Damien's asking is if they're going to be important. Well, we're going to get the vaccines, I guess, that's being sent by the UK. And the UK is sending both Pfizer or AstraZeneca. Um, none the, of the others have been really um, any of the vaccines that they'll be sending on over, at least at this point, um, mm -hmm. perhaps sometime way in the future, but not in the immediate future. We just got the two options at this time in the Cayman Islands. Yeah. And the other good point, um, Kevin, in relation to that, is the mRNA vaccine is actually um, one of the, it's the safer one uh, when you look at things like blood clots, mm -hmm. low, uh, low incidence of blood clots and other things. Even the GBA, the Giron-Barre um, syndrome, has no association with the Pfizer vaccine. So the irony of it is I know people are talking about these other vaccine options, the protein um, vaccines and so on. But in terms of safety, mm -hmm. you can't get any safer than mRNA. I believe the um, numbers are less than 1% of the world. If I remember the, the, the statistic right, less than 1% of the world are, are going to be allergic to an ingredient in an, one of the mRNA vaccines, whether it's Moderna or Pfizer. Very, very few people not saying it's impossible, but it's, you're going to be in the very, very, in the minority. Um, mm -hmm. Those who might have had a reaction and, uh, you know, like they went, they had to use an EpiPen after getting a vaccine at some point in time. Um, in the, in the 
past, those are the ones you have a little bit more concern of. But if mm-hmm. you never really reacted in a way where you needed some immediate intervention, there's a good chance that you'll do just fine with the vaccine. Even if you are a sickly person that have a lot of comorbidities, you, in fact, are the individuals that really need to get vaccinated. And I believe most of them already got vaccinated and absolutely no issues. You've heard from the medical experts, um, multiple medical experts, those who are in the hospitals sharing, they've never seen a patient that is in their their hospital because of being vaccinated. Everyone Mm -hmm. I've spoken to, and I work with a lot of medical people. They have not found anyone in the hospital because of the vaccine. However, they have found a lot of patients who are unvaccinated. Mm. So these are from people who are directly taking care of patients who definitely could speak from their own personal experiences. And so just want to completely encourage those who have not yet cho- um, gotten vaccinated. Look at the data. Speak to people who've been who. who actually got vaccinated sure yes you might feel a little yucky you might feel a little sore you might have had a little you know not so nice feeling for a day or two or three um after getting vaccinated that's how it is with any vaccine um you you have some side effects sure and heck is a lot better than getting covid mm-hmm. yeah for sure um so folks 90 cases yesterday let's talk about the cdc kevin and their new um i guess sort of reclassification of cayman based on on covid travel um obviously you know they have uh de- I, I wanted to say upgraded us but i guess it's a demotion <laughs> where where they have uh they've now um moved us from a level i think we're at level two to level three. So this just happened on the 25th, so a couple of days ago. Um, and level three is basically exercise caution. Um, you know, if you don't really have to travel there, then think twice about it. This is a direct result of our recent COVID numbers, obviously. Um, you know, I kind of looked at it and I thought, okay, um, most of the region is either level three or a level two. I didn't find anyone in mm-hmm. fact, who was at the um, level two or one for the Caribbean. And probably probably right now, there's nowhere in the world that's a level one or two in terms of COVID. No, Cayman is in such an, a great spot still. Um, and, and again, people, what when the CDC and other authorities um, put in those type of, of guidances. It's really just letting you know the travelers know that, hey, you're, you're going to have some risk. And so just this, this is what you need to know and what you should look out for. And ultimately, if you're going to be traveling, you need to be fully vaccinated because um, if you're not, you might find yourself in some some um, some issues. And, and just to be aware that, you know, this is not a, a completely COVID-free environment that you're going to. So you're going to have a level of risk. And mm-hmm. to, to make sure that you're doing what you need to do in order to um, protect yourself, as well as know what you're getting into. Um, so it's just bringing that level of awareness to those folks who are, uh, are traveling. Absolutely. And so some of other level three countries include um, Honduras, Turks and Caicos, Anguilla, DR, Panama, and Trinidad and Tobago. But the vast majority of the Caribbean, the region, is actually at level four. And that includes Jamaica, Cuba, Costa Rica, uh, the Bahamas, Bermuda, Haiti, uh, Dominica, Antigua and Barbuda, Barbados, St. Lucia, St. Kitts and Nevis, 
Suriname, St. Vincent and the Grenadines, and even Brazil. Uh, and those are the countries that they're saying um, are very high risk, and they would not suggest traveling to those countries. At least what came out, it doesn't, there's not a no travel recommendation. It just says to make sure that you are fully vaccinated before traveling to the Cayman Islands. And unvaccinated travelers should avoid non-essential travel to the Cayman Islands. And, um, you know, again, this is because of our more recent um, uptick in, in the last probably couple of weeks since community transmission has really taken foot on, on our islands. Um, now, I don't think there's a place so, in the world that they're going to say if it's an international destination that everywhere if that's an international destination, they're going to say that you should be vaccinated. Um, I don't mm -hmm. think there's any of them saying if you're unvaccinated, it's okay to travel. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay. All right. So what do we got coming up on Thursday's show, Kev? So Thursday's show, we're going to be speaking to another data expert, a data scientist. His name is Dr. Edwin, sorry, Dr. Edwin Michael was the last one. This one is Dr. Jason Salami. He's um, going to be really talking about how vaccination rates impact hospitalizations. And he's mm -hmm. going to also dive into some of the actual data that's also out there. Again, we're going to get into myocarditis and all those other, you know, disinformation things out there. If you have any questions on what the data is saying and what you might be reading, he's going to be um, definitely someone that's able to, to answer some of that. If you have questions ahead of time, please send them in. Um, and if you want to know, you know, anything that's data related he's going to really get into to some of those those questions to show exactly what's happening if you you know have comorbidities how that you know might increase your chances of getting um hospitalized and and, and so we're just going to be looking at the data um that is available out there um throughout the nation and the world mm -hmm. okay sounds like a fantastic um show uh, Miss Sue says, trying my best, Sandy. We eat healthy, thank God. I go on the treadmill and have to walk to um, have to walk too hot outside. But we will uh, like our wine with dinner. But we also like our wine with dinner too. Um, nothing wrong with a little wine, I suppose. Um, immune system is good. Odette, good morning to you. Thank you so much for tuning in. Damien says, so countries that are offering protein-based vaccines, only the Cayman government will approve permits but not offer those vaccines here or even allow private hospitals to offer for sale. So um, a couple of things, Damien, vaccines should not be something that you have to pay for. Uh, if, you, if someone is trying to sell you um, the ability to get vaccinated, you can get it for free. I'm not even sure why you'd want to consider that option. And I do know that some physicians, somebody was asking us earlier, I think it might have been Marshall, about if Cayman physicians are actually... Um, telling people not to get vaccinated. Unfortunately, we know of, uh, I think I know of at least two physicians from Cayman that it seems like they're anti-vaxxers, which is a little bit sad. Um, but, you know, Damien, there would be no need for anyone in the Cayman Islands to pay for a vaccine. So yes, the Cayman Islands will accept any vaccine that has been approved by the World Health Organization um, on the approval list, but it doesn't mean that we're going to, I mean, this isn't Fosters, where you can go in and have it your way. And to be honest, even right now, you can't go to Fosters and have it your way because there's a shortage of supply issues. Um, you know, you might not get a specific brand that you're looking for. You can find the item, but your specific brand may not be available. So I think the difficulty, Damien, is sometimes people don't understand how a small country such as the Cayman Islands procure medicine 
and procure access to things like vaccine. Remember, we were supposed to be part of COVAX. And COVAX, in case you missed that story, folks, you can go and have a look at this on our website. COVAX is a regional um, organization that tries to ensure that um, the people of the region have access, have equitable access to vaccines. So Caribbean countries, um, you know, remember back in March, we were saying this, they were suffering the worst COVID-19 outbreak since the previous year, since it first got started. And um, organizations such as COVAX really ensure that we get access to vaccines, but it's not as easy as people think. And I, I think, again, because we have been in this enviable position of, um, you know, getting the vaccine with little to no issues, we sort of think, oh, well, why don't we just ask for everything? I don't think it's so easy. And I think that there's a question of, um, of greed, really, when we start to go in that direction. So this is back in October of 2020. We did an article that came out was to receive the COVID-19 vaccine funding to guarantee equitable access through COVAX. So um, seven, they're self-financing and six are COVAX eligible. So if you're COVAX eligible, you didn't actually have to pay for the vaccine. So several Caribbean countries, including the Cayman Islands and Jamaica, was going to be receiving European funds via the Caribbean. So this is CARPA, CARFA, which is the Caribbean Public Health Agency, to help pay for the COVID-19 vaccine. These things are not free. So although we're getting it at no cost right now from the UK, the UK is footing the bill. Um, so it was confirmed back in October that the Trinidad-based uh, CARFA had received some $2 million as a down payment for the region so that everyone in the region can hopefully have easier access to the coronavac um, coronavirus vaccine once it became available. And COVAX is the vaccine's global access facility. So again, um, Cayman was allotted $81,000. Um, and CARFA had transferred a portion of that to the Pan American Health Organization with Cayman being allotted that 81,000 US. Now, I don't know what the, how much value, like the dollar amount of vaccines that we've received thus far, um, if, you know, if we were having to pay for it, but I would believe that it probably has far exceeded um, $81,000 because it's not just the cost of the vaccine folks, it's the shipping and getting the vaccine here that would be quite a considerable cost. And, and ancillary kits. There's a whole lot of other things. And, and what, what you, there's a value also to the staff that are administering the vaccine as well. Yeah, too. So there, there's a whole lot of things that, that goes in there. I think here in the States, and I, I, I don't want to misquote the wrong number, but I want to say something like per vaccine, it's like a hundred and something dollars or so um, each time you give a jab. Um, but again, let's compare that with the monoclonal antibody treatment. You're talking about somewhere in the thousands of dollars per mm -hmm. jab. So, I mean, there's, it's so much, you know, prevention is so much cheaper than reacting to trying to stop something that's already there. So, mm -hmm. yeah, the cost factors is significant. Yeah. And thankfully, um, again, there's 150 countries participating in this initiative. Uh, but thankfully, we have not even had to... Um, you know, utilize this option. I guess it's still there if we were desperate and if we needed it. So, you know, the question then becomes, are you looking a gift horse in the mouth? Um, you know, my aunt always used to say to me as a kid, 
beggars can't be choosers. And, you know, being a little smart ass kid, I used to say back to her aunt Lottie, I said, yes, unless you're um, a choosy beggar. And then she'd kind of just laugh at me, you know, because uh, you'll find this, this is how it is in life. Even sometimes when people are getting something for free, they want to be making all kinds of demands. Um, imagine what people would be saying if you had to pay for the vaccine as well, too, about Big Pharma. Um, some that want to try to say, oh, Big Pharma uh -huh. is, is pocketing off of this. Um, well, that that would be so much extra extra fuel um, to that argument. Exactly, yeah. And listen, for a pandemic like this, um, I think everybody in the world recognizes the governments, I mean, it's not like it's not like somebody isn't paying for it, but I think that they recognize that the governments are the ones who have to foot the bill on behalf of, um, you know, on behalf of, of their their citizens. Yeah. Yeah. Sandra, I do have to get running. I got a meeting okay. I got to, to jump on, but everyone came in. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Please go back and Thank watch you, the show. I dropped the link in there as well, too. Um, from last night. And again, if you want to watch all of the previous shows, it is available there. I really encourage you to, to take some time and go through them. A lot of very, very valuable information um, on those shows. Sandra, you have a wonderful day, okay? Thanks, Kev. See you on Thursday. Um, so folks, thank you so much. I just had a listener who was actually sending me some information, which I'm going to share here with you guys, um, demonstrating, uh, I think this is just the CDC's primary criteria for destinations with a population of 100,000 or fewer. Um, so COVID-19 case counts. So this is what the CDC will look at in making their determination. Uh, cumulative new cases over, cases over the past 28 days, which is obviously, you know, what they're looking at with us. New case trajectory. So if you have daily new cases increase or decrease or remain stable over the past 28 days. So obviously for the past 28 days, uh, we have had um, a number of new cases. So the travel health notice level, again, we are at level three. And it says case count over the past 28 days, 100 to 500. Obviously, that's where we fall. Level four will put you, if you have, you'll be upgraded to or degraded, however you look at it, to a level four if you have more than 500. Moderate level, 50 to 99, and then level one is fewer than 50 uh, new cases. So thank you for that uh, uh, keen listener who shared that little tidbit there with us. Uh, very, very interesting point. <clears throat> and um, we do have a video here from um, um, elsewhere in the world. I'm going to just download this so we can um, have a look at this. Video. Now, please don't forget, folks, the census is on, ongoing and we are inviting you and encouraging you to make sure that you fully participate in the Cayman Islands census. It's not done every year. You know, to, I can't remember the last time we did a census, but time to update those information so that our policymakers know um, enough about this country, including our population size, so that they can make more effective uh, decisions. Beginning the 10th of October, residents across the Cayman Islands will be invited to participate in the 2021 census. What is the census? Simply put, the census is a headcount of every person living in the Cayman Islands. The population count and data are protected and authorized by the Statistics Act. The information is confidential and cannot be shared with any law enforcement agencies. 
Your response helps guide business, social, and economic planning for the future of our islands. The 2021 Census will inform decisions on how millions of dollars are allocated for roads, schools, hospitals and healthcare clinics, fire, emergency response services, and other programs. Census enumerators will visit your household, ask a few questions like how many people live in your house, including their age and sex. Every person counts, no matter who you are or where you live. So have your say in the 2021 Census. All right, folks, have your say in the 2021 census. The only way you can do that is to participate. Big shout out to um, Reliable Supply. They have a huge supply of uh, Purell hand sanitizers and products. I actually did a little unboxing video, which I'm going to put up a bit later on. Um, I got a little care packet from Reliable Supply. Ooh, it was so full of goodies, y'all. You're going to be shocked. When you see all the wonderful stuff that Ms. Sharon put in a little care packet for me. Um, but make sure you contact them if you're a school, a business, homeowner, anyone who is concerned about the spread of COVID or, or not just COVID, other viruses and bacteria. Make sure, folks, that you're sanitizing your home properly, you're cleaning your environment properly. No better place to go to get all of your supplies than reliable supply. <laughs> All right, folks, um, let me see your comments here. Uh, Sue has done her census. Well done, well done, Sue. Um, I did mine over a week ago as well. And uh, again, I think it's important that we all um, participate in that. So how can you protect yourself? Check out this video. Coronavirus is among us and can make you very ill. Symptoms of the disease are a high fever, cough, and difficulty breathing. It is important to understand how you can get the virus, so pay close attention. You can get the virus on your hands by touching something, then touching your face. The virus cannot enter the body through the skin, but only through your eyes, nose, and mouth. You can also get the virus by being too close to someone who has the virus. The virus can remain in the air for a short while and can reach your face. is among us so we will therefore need to learn how to stay healthy. To be safe, do the following five things. 1. Clean highly touched surfaces regularly. Remember, the virus can be present on surfaces and objects and cleaning those surfaces with soap or disinfectant will kill the virus. 2. Don't touch your face with unwashed hands. Remember, if the virus is on your hands, you can easily transfer it into your body by touching your face. 3. Cough and sneeze in your elbow or mask. If you carry the virus, it will prevent you from spreading it in the air or on your hands. 4. Wash your hands often with soap and water for at least 20 seconds or with hand sanitizer, preferably after touching objects. 
the virus. Head soap and sanitizer and we'll die. 5. Keep at least 2 meter distances. Remember that you can get corona when coming too close to someone who has it. In a place where it is impossible to maintain the 2 meter distance, wear a mask. It is important to do these five things wherever you are, at work, at a shop, at a market, at church, while traveling, and so on. If you do this always and everywhere consistently throughout, and you will protect yourself and your loved ones from the virus. So remember, clean high-touched surfaces regularly, don't touch your face with unwashed hands, cough or sneeze in your elbow, tissue, or mask. Wash or sanitize your hands often and keep two-meter distance. Keep this up and you will be safe. If you have COVID-19 symptoms, which are a high fever, <coughs> cough, and difficulty breathing, you should call your local toll-free hotline for advice. 909 in Zambia. Seek medical attention if required and isolate yourself wherever possible. So again, folks, the message uh, remains very, very clear. Um, there's a number of things that you can be doing to protect yourself and do all of those things, washing of your hands, cleaning of your environment, um, you know, wearing your mask, making sure that you have gotten vaccinated. All of those things, folks, uh, will definitely make a difference. So the, for the remainder of the show, we've got about, I think, 20 minutes or so left. I want to talk about our little friend there. Um, we didn't get a chance to talk about this yesterday. Um, uh, what's his name? Oh, gosh. He doesn't have a name, but the, the raccoon. So you guys know that over the weekend, um, the raccoon was euthanized. Um, you know, they took a minute to even confirm it with us. We knew that it had happened, but we were trying to get official confirmation that he had been euthanized. And I think that um, the, the Department of Environment didn't really want to make it an issue. Um, of course, they would know that people look at the raccoon and they think, oh my God, he's so cute. These little critters are so cute. And some people want to keep them as pets and all sorts of stuff. And so they probably just didn't want to um, encourage this debate because they knew what they had to do. And so this is a little bit of a dose of um, the cold hard truth folks where they made the decision to um, euthanize. Um, and I think that it was a done deal. There was no um, other option, unfortunately. Now, of course, uh, none of us are happy that this had to be done, but I think that there are those of us who understand the necessity of it. Um, the concept of sending the, uh, sending the um, raccoon back Sounds good in principle, but the truth of the matter is the U.S. isn't going to take him back. They have no interest in um, this uh, raccoon. It's not like it's some kind of special creature for them where they'd be like, oh, yes, let's have a save the raccoon campaign. I mean, in the U.S., they largely see them as pests, not pets. Uh, they don't particularly care um, about the raccoon population. They spread rabies and you know other disease and I don't think that they, like, they rummage through your garbage. So it's not like they control anything specific where people are going to be like, whoa, we're part of the raccoon team. Um, having said that, it's still a life, you know, form um, at some level. So we were not happy to see that it had to be euthanized, but we do understand the position. Cayman 
is a um, rabies-free jurisdiction, folks. Maintaining that rabies-free status is extremely important. Um, in fact, you know, to be quite honest with you, I don't even know what the implications would be for us if all of a sudden we had rabies because there's things that we're able to do freely now, including the export and import and movement of our animals from one jurisdiction to the next, but also bringing animals in. And if we lost that status, um, folks, that would be something that would not be good for us at all. And that would add a level of complexity to a lot of things that we do. Not to mention that you'd have animals in the country who have rabies and who'd be dying from rabies. And so this would be very easy to happen. So for example, if the, the raccoon that's still out there and still very much on the loose or sets traps for him and he's not, he or she has not yet been caught. Um, say for example, that raccoon um, met up on a dog and a dog's never seen a raccoon before. And the dog's like, what the heck is this? And the two of them get in a little scruffle and the raccoon is, is um, positive for rabies. You know, that dog could easily uh, be infected with rabies. And then it kicks off a whole other situation. We have had non-Indigenous, um, you know, life form, for lack of a better word, like when I think of the iguanas, that have invaded this country and has caused havoc and destruction on the environment and the natural environment and have cost us millions and millions of dollars. So I don't think that there was really any other option, unfortunately. Now, I say so, some of you have said, why not put it in the... Um, in a display case or, you know, at the turtle farm for people to go look at. Mm. North American tourists, which account for the vast majority of our tourists, they want to see a raccoon in a cage. I don't think it's a huge tourist attraction. Um, someone said, well, maybe a lot of Caymanians would be interested in seeing the, the um, raccoon because we've never seen a raccoon before. Well, again, the concept of caging an animal for our own entertainment as being a better option than putting that animal down in an environment where it's not even meant to be seems a little bit contradictory to me. And I know that I mentioned on, I think it was Monday's show, that uh, these critters, uh, raccoons, are actually known to be pretty smart. So you saw their little paw print that I show you, right? They almost look like little human hands in a way. Um, they actually can figure out how to pick a lock and they can learn. So they do it once, they'll learn how to do it again. So um, I don't know what kind of cage or container you'd be putting this thing in, but it's not unheard of that the raccoon could certainly escape and get out of the enclosure. And then what would you have on your hands? Um, and it's not, you know, if we don't have any other raccoons here, it might not even be an issue of them mating with anything else. Uh, but it could be that if they got out, um, you know, we could have a, a, a difficult situation on our hands. And so I sympathize um, with the raccoon having to be put down, but I really don't think that there was any other choice. Um, so Sue agrees that it'd be a disaster here if rabies got into Cayman. You know, we're trying to keep out. Yesterday I was having a conversation with someone. I was thinking about all of the things that we have unfortunately not been able to keep out because people are sneaking in plants and all sorts of things that they're not supposed to travel with. But still, you know, customs doesn't catch every single thing. And so they managed to bring some things in. And I was thinking about, remember the pink mealy bug? Remember when we didn't have that here? 
Um, and then it got introduced and what it has done to like a lot of our trees and so forth. Again, iguanas are not indigenous to the Cayman Islands. Um, I was surprised to even find out that agoutis are not even in, in indigenous to the Cayman Islands. And um, when you bring in anything like that, that doesn't have a natural or nature made, um, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, mm. It's, the word is completely escaping me, but they don't have anything else that keeps their population and balance, right? Uh, nothing is hunting these things. You know, you're going to have a problem. So nothing in Cayman is naturally hunting iguanas. One or two dogs might do it for sport, but it's not like they don't have a natural enemy in, in the environment, right? So it's not like a dog is going to be doing it because they're hungry and they want to eat an iguana, right? Um, so sadly, um, you know, I think we just have to be very mindful of what we're introducing in, in the community. Remember when someone, the, there was a flying monkey on the Cayman Airways flight that got away from someone? Uh, you know, people are always trying to sneak in what they consider exotic animals or whatever, but they're not meant to be here. And it can create a very, very dangerous situation. So there's no doubt, I'm sure, that people have managed to sneak in snakes and other things that just are not meant to be in this environment, folks. And when you do stuff like that, you really are um, creating a precarious situation that normally does not end well for any of us. Okay. So um, in regional news update, because I'm aware that today is Caribbean Connection Wednesdays, the man that was actually accused of killing Tanika Gardner at the Pathways International Church in St. James last week, Andre Ruddock, is to appear in the Home Circuit Court in Kingston and downtown Kingston um, today. Yes. So he was the one, if you guys saw the photos of people, um, he was the one that was on the ground. And this is nationwide news um, confirming that today. He was the one that was on the ground um, covered with a white sheet. So he actually, um, you know, killed one of the one of the three people that were killed. One was killed by bullets from um, police fire after they started firing on the police, and then two other people had already been sacrificed by the time the police got there. Now you guys know that the police have said that the plan with Kevin Smith was to actually kill all 144 people that were intended to be there that night. So he was going to sacrifice 144 people in the name of whatever it is that he was going on with. So he met in a car accident a couple of days ago, as you also know, and he succumbed to his injuries almost immediately. Based on eyewitness accounts, it looks like he probably broke his neck. It was actually a three-car accident. And I wanted to put this out there and correct this because it seems like um, there was a little bit of misinformation because I thought initially I was looking at the car and I didn't see any other cars. And then yesterday I know in one photo we actually saw, here's the photo of this guy. So he's going to appear in court today. Um, there was a, um, there was a, a photo of a truck and then I thought, okay, so it must've hit that truck, but it turns out it was actually a three vehicular collision. So it was more than, um, you know, just the one or two cars. It was actually three vehicles involved. And so we don't know yet who's at fault or who's to blame for this. So more information will no doubt be forthcoming in the next couple of days and perhaps into the next couple of weeks. 
The other thing that's been trending, remember when we had the show on Tuesday when the accident happened? No, Monday. When the accident happened, some of you were in the comment section. It was actually even before the show. This was like last week, Thursday. When we were talking about Kevin Smith, some of you had said, listen, this dude had been deported or he was living in Canada and he was accused of um, sexual molestation of a young man. And it turns out now that mainstream media has picked up on that story um, because the Jamaican authorities have actually confirmed that, yes, that is 100% true. He was convicted. I think he only served like six months. Um, but yeah, so this is what happened, folks. Uh, he's Jamaican. He's you know able to go back into his home country and was able to hide in plain clothing. Did I say Canada? Where did I say? Yes, in Canada. So he was able to return to Jamaica set up a church and become a pastor, a child molester, y'all. Um, I think the young man might have been 21. So I don't know if technically he was a child, but he was a molester. Uh, he was accused of sexually molesting someone. And then what does he do? He's able to, to go and set up church and can operate fully with no concerns and no issues and have a huge number of people following him and um, literally kissing him at his feet almost. You know, it is just shocking to believe and to understand how easily people are duped into believing and following just about anybody. So um, quite, a, quite a crazy situation there, but he had actually sexually assaulted a man in Canada and he was convicted of that, of one count of sexual assault. And he was, um, as a result of that, sentenced to jail back in um, November of 2017. So pretty crazy, pretty, pretty crazy. One count of sexual assault on a 21-year-old man. And so, you know, I even thought it was very, very interesting um, seeing him in all these church photos with all these little boys surrounded by little boys. And he's like hugging up these little boys and stuff. Oh, Brian, parents, you have got to be so careful, um, really and truly. Please do not trust people with your children. I don't know how many different ways I can say it and how often I can say it, but um, believe me when I tell you, it's, it's just trust nobody, not when it comes to your children. Uh, trust them with your money before you trust them with your children, okay? And you probably shouldn't be trusting them with your money either. But I would take a chance with money than I would my own child. And this is the truth, folks. Um, so you've just got to be careful. So in other regional news, um, Jamaica is announcing new curfew measures again to address their COVID-19 situation. So no movement Sundays have been scrapped. Nightly curfew will now be uh, Mondays through Sundays from 8 p.m. until 5 a.m. from October the 29th through December the 10th. So, of course, Jamaica has struggled with low vaccination rates. They have struggled with, um, obviously, the COVID outbreak at quite a significant level, and they continue to have these issues. So they're finding a way to do it. You know, no movements trying to restrict the movement of people in the community. I don't really know how well it's working. I mean, I don't see a reduction at all for them, but now they're moving from, um, you know, no movement days, which has been in fact for the past six Sundays 
that's going to be discontinued. And now they'll be moving to a, a daily or nightly curfew, I should say, from 8 p.m. until 5 a.m. every single day. Um, so, you know, that means, I guess, that nightclubs and stuff like that, you won't be engaging in any of that type of activity if there's actually a curfew happening. Uh, I guess more, less people out in the community um, means fewer people that are able to um, spread the virus. You know, you're not going out to nightclubs and other hot spot places. And so it is. Um, so here's someone on Twitter who's posted this morning that they've robbed, hear this now, <laughs> Jamaica, not a real place. They have robbed the Pathways Church. So the police are now going to secure, this is two hours ago, the police are now going to secure the location I would have thought they were secured already, but maybe their investigations there were done, where they have now stolen a washing machine, dryer, and 25 solar batteries and other equipment. Um, not really surprised. Um, so the church was targeted at 24 solar batteries. I remember he was getting ready for his version of Armageddon, where everybody was going to get on a, um, everyone was going to get on an ark, and he was going to reenact that whole scene from the Bible, I suppose. Um, so he was ready with solar batteries and other such things. What a hot mess, you cannot make this stuff up. And so now the um, church, what will happen to that church now that Smith, they should burn that place down because that's that feels like it's got a lot of evil up in there. Um, but anyway, uh, the church is now, people are saying that people have now stolen from the church and taken out batteries, a washing machine, a dryer, that was a very posh church, if you ask me. Um, so, yeah, so they've stolen a couple things from the church. Hmm. Okay. Well, there you have it. Church with washing machine and dryer. Yes, sir. Um, Scott, good morning. How are you? I have not seen you. And in, in, have you ever been on the show, Scott? I've never seen you comment before. Uh, Scott says his death came too easy. Um, Scott, are you still in Jamaica, by the way? I know you were in Jamaica at some point. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's one of the craziest things that I have seen in a super long time um, that he was fortunate enough to, to sort of get out of this situation. But um, I guess if you believe in what comes afterwards, uh, he will he will still get his just deserve in the end. So it's a hot mess, folks. Um, I don't even know what else to say, but um you know, driving in Jamaica can be um, very, very interesting at times from what we've seen. You know, I didn't even know, speaking of, of things that you can steal that can be really, really strange, I did not know that people could steal um, copper. Like, you know, the, the copper, like ADSL, that like they run the copper to your house and whatever in the streets in order to, they use that as the conduit for your internet. So years ago, I went to Jamaica with my husband and we were going to um, his, uh, he's from St. Mary. So we were driving to St. Mary and um, there were residents in the particular neighborhood saying that they didn't have internet. And I'm like, oh, well, what's, why don't they have internet? What's going on? And it's so crazy because they seem to get internet before we do in terms of, you know, high fiber internet and all this kind of stuff. Uh, even as rocky and terrain as, as it is, Jamaica seems to get better access to internet than Cayman sometimes. I'm thinking Cayman is flat. This is the easiest place in the world to lay fiber. Let's be honest, right? Anyway, I digress. Um, 
so yes, uh, come to find out, um, some people were stealing the um, copper. And I was like, stealing copper? Do people steal copper? My husband's like, well, you know, copper is a valuable metal. So I guess there's some market for it. And I thought it was crazy. I'm like, huh, okay. So they were actually, I was still a little bit confused though. Cause I'm like, how are they stealing it? They're digging it. Like how are they laying this copper? They're digging up the ground after the, the telecom goes in and lays the copper. But they were stealing the copper. And as a result of that, the telecom had to go back in and lay it again uh, for people to be able to get internet um, in their neighborhoods, which is kind of crazy. I don't know how easy fiber would be to steal because I think fiber is so, um, it, it's so like sensitive to bends and all sorts of stuff. Like why would you steal fiber? Because you destroy it, I think, in the process of trying to extract it. But apparently copper is something that people often want their hands on. So um, yes, and in other regional news, you'll see a story uh, trending on our page this morning about a mass shooting at a popular bar in Bermuda, of all places. Um, several people, including a police officer, was reportedly shot on Tuesday evening at a popular bar in Bermuda. Uh, terrified customers uh, scattered. At least six shots were fired in the Robin Hood bar and restaurant at about 6 p.m., the Royal Gazette reported, and at least four people were taken to the hospital for treatment, and eyewitnesses told local media that four ambulances were transported um, to the scene. So what a crazy thing. Um, the acting police commissioner, uh, Darren Simmons, has said that the shooting was a critical incident. I think so. And uh, he, can't, he was quoted as saying, I cannot say enough just how heinous and despicable this kind of a situation is where you have people um, opening fire in a public premise. It's not at all what we would like to be seeing. And it's not uh, who we are as Bermudians. I certainly expect better from the public and we absolutely can do better. So then they have a minister of national security who appealed for witnesses to come forward. And, um, you know, hopefully they'll find out who's responsible for that. But isn't that crazy at 6 p.m.? They had six shots fired in the Robin Hood bar and restaurant. Uh, pretty, pretty crazy, if you ask me. Um, but that's what's popping off in the region, folks. So there's lots and lots of interesting things um, happening. Big shout out to our friend, uh, Mr. Thomas, Christopher Thomas Famous. Uh, he's an MP there in Bermuda. He's in Bermuda, right? Yeah. And um, he actually has been hosting a show on his platform where he gets like, it's a regional discussion show. So he gets people from the region. And I know that Eden Hurlston has been um, participating in that. So big shout out to Eden, uh, kind of representing the Cayman perspective. So he does a territories talk show. He's got Linda Clark from Cayman who will be on it on the next segment that's coming up uh, today, actually this evening. Um, he's got Anguilla, Montserrat, Turks and Caicos, Virgin Islands, and Bermuda all being represented. So you guys can check that out on Facebook and YouTube. Just look for Territories Talk. And um, they actually have it in the Virgin Islands and in Bermuda uh, on Channel 82 and in the Virgin Islands on CBN Radio. So some good coverage. Um, I think it's important for Cayman to obviously 
be part of the Caribbean, like truly we are a part of the Caribbean. So for us to participate in these types of discussions, I think is uh, extremely important. And it's good to see people like Eden and Linda and others um, stepping up to the plate and uh, letting Cayman's voice uh, you know, be heard. So there's Linda, and I know that Eden, and I think maybe even, um, who else has participated in these? Um, I think Charlie Cott may have also participated in some of these sessions as well. So yeah, good stuff. All right. Wonderful. Okay, folks, that wraps it up for us today. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Let's uh, see some of your final, final comments. Um, we've got Miss Sue says, OMG, that's so bad for Bermuda, usually peaceful island. Well, everybody's got um, crime. Uh, Darlene says that she misses Mr. Famous. We'll message him. Um, you know, he is an MP, so I know a lot of times he's actually really, really busy. Um, he actually, we have an editorial piece, I think, that will go up here shortly from him as well. So he does um, continue to contribute to the platform, which I think is fantastic. Um, and yeah, we'll we'll remind him to come on the show maybe next week, Wednesday. Um, Renee has been busy. So she's our Caribbean um, correspondent here, uh, regional correspondent, I should say, here on uh, CMR. But she has been extremely busy. She's had a baby, she had a baby boy. So congratulations to Renee. And as you guys know, motherhood ain't easy especially in the first little bit. Uh, she has been very, very busy. So um, shout out to Renee and the baby. He's doing well. I think I told you guys she was coming down with preeclampsia. So they decided to take the baby a little bit early, but both mom and baby are doing well. All right, good folks. Um, thank you guys so much for tuning in this morning. Hump day Wednesday. Have a beautiful day. Go get vaccinated. They're at the Lions Center again today. Participate in the census, folks. And um, if you're a senior, you've been enjoying the um, older person's month. There is in the Baden Town area today at 10 o'clock, I believe it starts. Um, Ms. Heather's gonna be there and some others gonna be there. They're going to be having a picnic in the park for their seniors. And that's gonna be at the Baden Town Seniors Home from 10 a.m. this morning until 1 p.m. Um, there in Baden Town. So go and check it out. They will have refreshments for the seniors and other activities for them to do. So um, just another event on the long list of things for Seniors Month. There's church events that have been going on. So there's been a scheduled church events. Uh, there's this weekend, the 31st, it will be the First Assembly Church of God. They will have the final one starting at 10.30 a.m. If you're a senior that can't get out and about, um, please know that um, you can watch it on YouTube or Facebook through the First Assembly Church, um, the First Assembly of God came and uh, Facebook or YouTube link. So check that out. They've had a number of services at Elmsley, John Gray Memorial, New Testament Church of God in Cayman Brack, Agape, Northside, the William Pucci Memorial United has had stuff in Northside, Webster's Memorial in Baden Town, Church of God Universal in Georgetown, even Little Cayman Baptist Church was in on it, and Boatswain's Bay Presbyterian Church on the 17th, had their services as well. So most of the churches in Cayman, Savannah United started, kicked it off on uh, October the 3rd, the Church of God in West Bay, St. George's Anglican and Victory Tabernacle in Georgetown have also participated in this event. So again, this Saturday will be the final um, church service, the First Assembly Church of God at 10.30 a.m. Tune in 
to their social media platforms. If you're an older person, I would totally understand if you were not comfortable um, going to a church service with the current COVID situation. 90 cases yesterday, folks, it is a lot. We're not downplaying that at all. But what I would say is we're gonna stay the course, folks. We're not gonna panic. Um, two persons have been hospitalized that um, require oxygen. One was there since September. Another one was actually being hospitalized for something else and turned out to be COVID positive. And they now need the support of um, some oxygen support. Not quite the same as being in a ventilator, so not as serious. And we will certainly keep an eye and update you guys if we find out any more about those particular situations. So the reality is we're going to have more COVID cases. The reality is we're going to have more hospitalizations related to COVID cases. The reality is we're going to have people getting sick and requiring oxygen and supplemental care related to COVID. The real, real reality is there will be people who will die from this, folks. Sad, but it's the truth, and that's going to be our reality. There's no way to pre prevent that. We have just been kicking the can you know, down the road, and we can't continue to do so. At some point, we've got to open up our borders. Now, what you need to do is you need to go out there and get vaccinated. Even if you have been infected with COVID and you are not yet vaccinated, you are in a much better position because if you've been infected, you've got natural immunity, but you still need the vaccine-induced immunity to give you the best chance. People have gotten COVID more than once. And if you were lucky the first time to survive it, that does not mean that you're going to be lucky the second time to survive it. So give yourself as much protection as possible, folks. That's the message that all of the experts are um encouraging you to um to follow so i hope that you will you know consider carefully now people are getting a little bit antsy and they're getting a little bit scared i think that that is driving vaccination numbers upwards and if that's what it takes and that's what it takes um so we'll keep you guys updated on the vaccine drive i think they're going through the process now of um you know pre-selecting and and verifying and all that kind of stuff and we'll let you know once um, there's going to be a, somebody's going to walk away with $100,000, which is nothing to sneeze at. I wish it was me, child, because I could do with $100,000. <laughs> but somebody will win it. Um, I hope it's someone deserving. But, you know, these things are, it's like the lottery. You never know who's going to win it. Uh, we are planning on having an interview with both the HSA and um, a representative from DMS to just explain the process from here and how it's going to work. And we're going to bring that interview to you guys, hopefully a bit later on in the week. So folks, have a fantabulous week. Thanks so much for tuning in. You've made this Cayman's number one morning talk show. You guys have a beautiful day and we will see you tomorrow morning. Thank you for tuning in to another edition of The Cold Hard Truth. Make sure to check Facebook for showtimes and more information and the latest news at CaymanMarlRoad.com. Subscribe to our IG and Facebook pages to get the latest happenings.